So we are in the season of Lent, the time leading up to Easter, and for the season of Lent, we're going through our series called Lead. Uh, there were moments in Jesus's ministry where the Holy Spirit played a prominent role uh, in Jesus's ministry and teaching. Jesus was Spirit-led, which is one of our directives here at TFRC, where we follow the leading of the Holy Spirit in everything. We want to relate those moments where Jesus is led by the Spirit to us being open to the Spirit's leading. The Holy Spirit guided the way for Jesus, the same Spirit guides the way for us. And as we learn what Jesus taught about the Holy Spirit, as we see how Jesus relies on the Holy Spirit in his ministry, we will apply that to discover the Spirit's leading in our lives. Uh, for many of us, the leading of the Spirit is mysterious, which is appropriate, because the Spirit can lead in mysterious ways. But in this series, we want to equip ourselves to better identify how the Spirit is leading us. And so we've titled the series, Led, because the Spirit leads us, but also because the Spirit acts as a guiding light, like LED lighting. Uh, we need the light of the Spirit to help us navigate as we follow Jesus. The Spirit lit the way for Jesus and his ministry, and the Spirit lights the way to lead us. Uh, in this series, we're looking at Jesus's ministry in the Gospels, and while we're not focusing on just one Gospel, we are focusing on passages where the Holy Spirit is explicitly stated in having a role in the ministry and teaching of Jesus. And the scripture for this morning is Luke chapter 3, verses 21 to 23. Uh, go ahead and turn there in your Bibles. Uh, Luke is the third book in the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, and then Luke. Uh, you can also look up Luke 3 on your phones. Um, our scripture reader uh, for this morning is Kelly Estep. And so Kelly, go ahead and make your way up to the podium. As she does, I'm going to ask if you're able, please stand and face the center of the room. And we read from the center of the room to remind us that scripture is to be central in our lives, is the primary lens we use to determine how we live. And we stand because we believe this is the word of God. And so, Kelly, whenever you are ready, please read from Luke 3, verses 21 to 23. When all the people were being baptized, Jesus was baptized too. And as he was praying, heaven was opened. And the Holy Spirit descended on him in bodily form like a dove. And the voice came from heaven, you are my son whom I love, with you I am well pleased. Now Jesus himself was about 30 years old when he began his ministry. Kelly, thank you very much. You may be seated. Now, I'm a sucker for learning worthless trivia facts. I love worthless information, that kind of trivia. Uh, I like to learn things like the last movie that John Wayne received a credit for is Star Wars. Um, the inventor of Pringles is buried in a Pringles can. Uh, the word typewriter is the longest word that you can type using only the letters on one row of the keyboard. I love that kind of stuff. Now, I came across a list of interesting beginnings to famous companies. How some of these companies began is fascinating. The brothers who founded McDonald's sold hot dogs for 21 years before focusing on hamburgers. Uh, the telecommunications company Nokia 
was originally a paper mill in Finland. Kraft Foods started as a door-to-door cheese business in Chicago. Toyota originally made weaving machines to produce thread. IBM started by making weight scales, automatic meat slicers, coffee grinders, timekeeping systems, and computer punch cards equipment. It's amazing how some of these mega corporations each got their beginning. Now today, there are over 2.3 billion people who claim faith in Christ. Christianity has been a major force in the world for centuries. And Christianity also has kind of an interesting beginning. In a tiny country, occupied as part of the Roman Empire, and it was a part of the empire you really didn't want to end up in, in the wilderness of this tiny country, one cousin baptizes another cousin. Now, they were distant cousins, but they were related nonetheless. One cousin baptizes another cousin. And the world was never going to be the same. Now, it wasn't the action of these two relatives that green-lighted Jesus' ministry. At his baptism, it's the Spirit that gives Jesus the green light to begin his ministry. The Spirit kicks off Jesus' ministry forever changing the world. And I'm going to start at the end of the passage, going to verse 23, where it says, Now Jesus himself was about 30 years old when he began his ministry. Now, 30 years old in that culture was the age of full maturity. Uh, Levites would begin their temple service at the age of 30. It was common for rabbis to be around 30 years old when they started taking disciples, and their disciples would usually were most likely teenagers. Uh, the spirit coming upon Jesus at his baptism was Jesus's formal calling and commission to his public ministry. The Gospels, they focus on Jesus' public ministry culminating in his death and resurrection. Now, what you don't find a lot of in the Gospels are stories about Jesus' childhood or adolescence. Now, Matthew and Mark, or I'm sorry, Matthew and Luke give accounts of Jesus' birth, the Christmas story, and Luke will also share a story from the time when Jesus was 12. And he stayed behind in the temple courts in Jerusalem. His family had all left to go back to Galilee. And it wasn't until after three days that they realized Jesus wasn't with them. And so they went back to Jerusalem to look for him and eventually found him. And that's it from his childhood. His birth and his version of Home Alone. That's all we got. So people often wonder... Why there aren't more stories about Jesus from his childhood? You know, didn't Jesus do some miraculous stuff as a kid or teenager? And the simple answer to that is no. See, Jesus understood that he was the Messiah and the Son of God. And even though Jesus knew who he was, Jesus waited for the Spirit to kick off his ministry. It was the Spirit who initiated the public ministry of Jesus. And that's what the Spirit does. He calls us to do what God created us to do. He initiates our callings. The Spirit is always prompting us to do something. When the Spirit leads us, He has already prepared the path for us to go. 
And so the circumstances that lead us to do something are a part of the Holy Spirit's prompting. Here at TFRC, we partner with around 30 missions from places like the Mustard Seed to Malawi, from Remember New to Words of Hope, to from Adult and Teen Challenge to Thailand. All these missions began by people seeing a need in the world, having a desire to fill that need, all for the glory of Jesus. And before any of those people thought about founding these ministries, the Spirit was already taking the initiative to work in their lives. Look, when we see a need in the world and we want to fill it, that's the Spirit prompting us. The Spirit takes the initiative to prepare and call us, and the Spirit is always up to something. And it's not just true for things like missions. It's true for every aspect of our lives. You know, whatever you do for a living, it was the Spirit who called you to do what you do. You know, how does God feed the world? Well, the Spirit calls farmers and everyone else who's a part of the agricultural field. And how does God heal the world? Well, the Spirit calls doctors and nurses and everyone else in the medical field. And how does God teach the world? Well, the Spirit calls teachers and everyone else in the educational field. The Spirit is the one who calls us and prompts us to the work that we do. And Jesus understood that. And so he waited for the Spirit to give him the green light to start his ministry. The Spirit kicked off the public ministry of Jesus. And so the Holy Spirit kicks off Jesus' ministry and the Holy Spirit confirmed his ministry. It confirms his ministry. Going to verse 22 of our passage, where it says, The Holy Spirit descended on him in bodily form like a dove, and a voice came from heaven. You are my son, whom I love. With you I am well pleased. The Spirit descends upon him. The Father speaks from heaven. You are my son, whom I love. With you, I am well pleased. You are my son, whom I love. With you, I am well pleased. That statement echoes two verses from the Old Testament, which illuminates something. The first um, verse that it echoes comes from Psalm 2, verse 7, where it says, I will proclaim the Lord's decree. He said to me, you are my son. Today, I have become your father. This passage from Psalm 2 is a passage about the Davidic Messiah, the Son of God. The Messiah was to come from the line of King David. And Jesus is the Son of God from the line of King David. It's a unique position of privilege. There really isn't a much higher status than being the Son of God. You contrast that with the second verse from the Old Testament that this statement echoes. Isaiah 42, verse 1, where it says, Here is my servant, whom I uphold, my chosen one in whom I delight. I will put my spirit on him, and he will bring justice to the nations. My chosen one in whom I delight. That is God's servant. The Spirit will be placed upon him. It confirms who he is. But this verse from Isaiah 
isn't about being the privileged son of God. It's about being the servant of God, which if you think about the status spectrum, being a servant is on the other end of the status spectrum from being the son. You know, in a household status spectrum, the son is at the top and the servant is at the bottom. And Jesus is confirmed to be both, the son and the servant. He's the Davidic Messiah, the son of God, and the servant to bear the sins of the world. He's the powerful anointed one and the humble servant who's obedient to the will of God. Which Jesus affirms when he says, the son of man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Now, last week I mentioned that the Bible says to test the spirits to make sure they are from God. And I said one way to test the spirits is if it is leading you to do what is right, because the Holy Spirit will not lead us to go against God's word. Doing right is more important than doing the remarkable. Well, another way to test the spirits is humility. Jesus is the powerful anointed one, yes, and Jesus is the humble servant. And so we can know that it is the Holy Spirit leading, if it is leading us to humble service. If a spirit is leading us to some kind of prideful self-serving task, well, that's probably not the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit leads us to humble service. So you got two tests now, the do right test and the humility test. Now the spirit confirmed Jesus's ministry. Now Jesus had a clear understanding of what he was supposed to do, but when it comes to us, <laughs> for us, what we're supposed to do isn't always so clear, but the spirit will confirm what he is calling us to do and how this works is when we get a sense that the Spirit is prompting us and maybe apply the two tests I've given you, uh, then we need to take a step of faith. <laughs> At some point, when we feel prompting, we gotta take some kind of step of faith and do what we think he's calling us to do. Now, maybe the Spirit is calling us to do something here at TFRC, Maybe the Spirit is calling us to do something with one of our mission partners. Maybe the Spirit is calling us to do something with a friend or family member. Maybe the Spirit is calling us to do something at our place of work. Whatever it may be, we take a step of faith and do what we think he's calling us to do and then look for signs of confirmation. Now, that sign of confirmation will probably not be a voice from the sky. Yet, the Spirit will confirm when we are on the right path, we just have to be looking for it. That prompting is going to lead us to serve in some capacity and the spirit will confirm what he is calling us to do. So the spirit kicks off and confirms Jesus's ministry and the spirit also indicates what kind of ministry Jesus will do. Going back to verse 21. When all the people were being baptized, Jesus was baptized too. And as he was praying, heaven was opened. And the Holy Spirit descended on him in bodily form like a dove. Now, when John the Baptist was preparing the way for Jesus, 
some religious leaders came to him and John the Baptist told them this, Matthew 3. The ax is already at the root of the trees and every tree that does not produce good fruit will be cut down and thrown into the fire. I baptize you with water for repentance, but after me comes one who is more powerful than I, whose sandals I am not worthy to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. His winnowing fork is in his hand, and he will clear his threshing floor, gathering his wheat into the barn and burning up the chaff with unquenchable fire. Now this sounds a lot like a fire and brimstone kind of message. His winnowing fork is in his hand. He will clear the threshing floor. He will burn up the chaff with unquenchable fire. Now, yes, Jesus will come to judge the living and the dead. But the Spirit paints a different picture of what his earthly public ministry was going to be like. You see, the Spirit descends like a dove. And that communicates the kind of work Jesus is going to do. Look, the imagery here is really important. And in order to, important, to appreciate the importance of the imagery, we need to go back to the very beginning, back to Genesis 1, where it says in verse 2, Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. The Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. That word for hovering in the original Hebrew is also used to describe a bird hovering over its nest, watching over its hatchlings. The Spirit of God is hovering like a bird over the waters in Genesis 1. It would be an image like this one. Now, in our passage for the day, the Spirit is descending like a dove. And Jesus has just been baptized in the water. So that would be an image, I don't know, something like this one. Now, let's connect these two Images. We have the spirit descending like a bird over water. And look at these two pictures together. Now, that imagery, which is really, really similar, is not an accident. It is intentional. So connecting the image from creation to the image of Jesus' baptism... What would that tell us about the kind of ministry Jesus was going to have? Well, what does the Spirit do in the creation story? Well, it said the earth was formless and empty. In other words, the earth was in chaos. Likewise, Jesus came to a world full of chaos. In creation... God brought order to the chaos through the Spirit. And Jesus is going to bring order to our chaos through the Spirit. The source of our chaos is sin. Sin destroys everything. And Jesus' ministry was all about countering 
sin and its effects. And it culminated with what we call the gospel. Jesus died for our sins. Jesus rose from the dead. That is real and it changes everything. The spirit is active in our lives to complete Jesus's redemptive work. The spirit continues to work in our lives to bring about our full redemption. As it says in Philippians 1, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. That is what the Spirit is leading us to do. To do things like bringing relief to the chaos in this world caused by sin. In the things that we say, in the things that we do, here at TFRC, or in our families, or with our friends, or at our work, and in our schools, in our community, and around the world. The Spirit is leading us to bring relief in the power of the Spirit to the chaos in this world caused by sin. And the Spirit kicks that off and confirms that kind of leading. Please pray with me. And Lord, we are grateful for the leading of your spirit. And we ask that you would give us eyes to see and ears to hear the promptings of your spirit, who is always at work in our lives, calling us and prompting us and initiating and kicking things off. And Lord, give all of us the wisdom and the courage to take a step of faith and do what it is you're prompting us to do. And Lord, then help us see your confirmation of your leading. And it's in the name of our Savior Jesus we pray. Amen. Receive God's blessing. May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen.